Hello, Bison, and welcome to the Hill Talks podcast from The Hilltop. Thank you for being here. I'm Olivia Green, The Hilltop's multimedia editor, with a weekly roundup to keep you up to date on the latest news and campus happenings. This week, bomb threats, inflation, and the golf team. Where are they now? Plus, we have a very exciting announcement at the end of the show, so stay tuned. But first, let's get into the news. You may have seen an email about an evacuation order of the Sealy Mud Building recently. On Friday, August 12th, the Howard community was alerted of the evacuation order issued after a report of an unidentified electronic device was made to police by an anonymous caller, according to a university statement. Hours later, Howard's Department of Public Safety gave the all clear, but it was not any less of a scare. Our campus editor, J.D. Jean-Jacques, reported on the matter. J.D., thank you so much for joining us today. Great. Thanks, Olivia. I'm happy to be here. So Howard is no stranger to bomb scares like these. Tell us a little bit about how this situation in particular was different from the five that we had last semester. Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, The five that happened last semester, they happened um, the late January and early February. And what happened was somebody had called or, um, you know, contacted, you know, the university or the MPD um, threatening to, you know, um, you know, to set off a bomb at the university. Um, And that was different from this situation in that in this situation, there was an anonymous caller who was neither a student or, um, you know, a faculty who had claimed there to be a blinking device in the, the Sealy Mud building. Um, and so, you know, that was, you know, he, the, the person didn't call saying, okay, I'm going to blow up this building. The person was like, oh, you know, I, this, uh, there's a device here and it's an, an, an unidentified and it's blinking. Um, and then they called, um, the MPD and then the MBT, MBD, um, forwarded that to the university to police department. Um, so that's how it was kind of different. So you mentioned that the anonymous caller who notified police about the device was not staff or a student. And the story mentions that there's a possibility that this caller could have fabricated the blinking device because nothing was found. Have authorities provided any updates since then about the caller or about the device itself? No, I actually haven't heard of, of any you know updated information about that. The thing about bomb threats is that in the, the Metropolitan Police and in the Howard University Police, they're not willing to, to share as much information, as much details about maybe perhaps what the person said or when they said it or how they said it or maybe even information that um, you know, I would inquire about that would perhaps identify the caller. And so the police, you know, they tend to not sort of release that kind of information. So, um, you know, there hasn't been any you know, new updates about the person or about the caller. Um, and, you know, I think as these things continue to develop or, or if there you know, are more situations like this, we'll try to get a better understanding of who these people are. Definitely. So um, I know that you spoke to some students about the alert for the mud building, um, and kind of mentioned it on the heels of uh, last semester's string of threats. So I'm curious to know, how are students feeling about campus safety right now? Yeah, so, you know, it's a mixture. I think some students are obviously concerned that, you know, that, 
HBCUs and particularly Howard is receiving these kind of bomb threats. Um, you know, them and their parents are concerned. Their parents are like emailing the schools and concerned about their kids going to school and going to classes. Um, so there's a definitely a lot of concern there. But on the other hand, you know, I've talked to students who um, basically speak about how they become numb to these kind of, you know, situations and circumstances where people might be threatening, um, you know, you know, black populations um and some students you know when they heard about it they just went on their way and said oh it's just another bomb threat um because in reality that's what it is for a lot of students it's just another bomb threat it's our seventh this year um so there's a mixture between concern and worry about the future of the school year and you know a little bit of nonchalance a little bit of okay we're used to this um you know when's the next one almost When's the next one almost? It's funny that you say that because there was another one even more recently yeah. than the one um, in your story about the mud building. Um, August 23rd, Tuesday, August 23rd at around 11 p.m. Um, there was an evacuation order for Cook Hall. Um, the all clear was given within a couple of hours, but in an email from the university, uh, they said that the threat this particular threat was kind of mimicking last semester's string of threats that were meant to, quote, evoke fear. J.D., have you learned anything about that particular threat? Yeah, well, so, you know, it's, I'm uh, working with another reporter on this, and it's been a very busy day for us trying to get um, perspectives and quotes from people. Um, but like I mentioned, you know, the police and, and the campus police um, and even some of the RAs who are involved with working with the police on evacuating Cook Hall members, um, they're not, you know, being responsive. And some of that might be contractual in regards to the RAs. Some of that might be just procedure in regards to police. But, um, you know, I feel like they're not... Um, you know, allowed perhaps to give this, you know, important kind of information in terms of who that who the call it was and what they said, et cetera. Um, I was able to talk to um, the Metropolitan, Metropolitan Police press today. And the only thing that they mentioned was that it was a male who called, a male who called um, university and made a threat. Um, and so that's all we know as, as far as, you know, who made the threat and, you know, what happened. Um, but I was able to talk to some Cook students and, and, you know, they told me that, um, as a matter of fact, when it happened, they just thought it was a, in a vac, a, a drill. People were nonchalant. People were, you know, just walking out. People were, they didn't really know what was going on. And then after the fact, once it had gotten out that it was in Bob threat, people were, you know, a little bit more serious about it. Um, and even if you look at parent forums and parent chats um there's definitely a lot of concern there as well wow yeah well thank you for joining me today jd um again to read the full story head to the hilltoponline.com we'd love to hear from you two listeners so if you have thoughts to share about the bomb threats maybe you live in cook hall please reach out to the hilltop um thanks again jd great thank you so much olivia let's get on to the next story President Biden passed the Inflation Reduction Act on August 7th, with Vice President Harris breaking the tie among an evenly divided Senate. Staff writer Jason Ponterotto reported on the matter, noting that the piece of legislation lowers prescription drug costs, makes the largest investment in climate change in U.S. history, and is said to lower the tax deficit, which the Biden administration calls a legislative win. The bill allows Medicare to negotiate for lower prescription drug prices starting in 2026, and the subsidies included in the Affordable Care Act will continue until 2025. 
According to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, the extension will save an estimated 3 million people from losing coverage and prohibits 13 million people from experiencing premium price increases. The climate change provisions in the bill include $60 billion for clean energy manufacturing jobs, tax incentives for industrial companies that invest in energy-efficient technology, and more tax incentives for Americans who buy electric cars, solar panels, heat pumps, and other energy-efficient resources for their homes. Lastly, there's another $60 billion towards cleaning up low-income communities that face pollution and a commitment to reduce carbon emissions by 2030. The Hilltop reported that a lot of people are questioning how this bill relates to current inflation, as gas prices and food have gone down in recent weeks, but the White House says that it will help by lowering energy and healthcare costs overall. Always, to read more, head to thehilltoponline.com. Now, let's check in with the Howard Golf Team. It's one of our newest sports programs started in 2019 by four-time NBA champion of the Golden State Warriors, Stephen Curry. He committed to six years of supporting our golf program to debut as a Division I NCAA team. Staff writer Cindy Jean reported for the Hilltop that a ton of growth has been seen since then. The men's team placed third in the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference Golf Championship, During last season, the women's golf team finished the season by taking fifth at the PGA Works Collegiate Championships. And most recently, the team hosted the Beach Inaugural Golf Classic, which is a fundraising event. They were joined by Stephen Curry, Howard alumni, and the Board of Trustees. The fundraiser was able to raise over $3 million. Congratulations, golf team. And the Hilltop reported that the team is, quote, looking forward to another season and are excited for what the future holds for the rest of their partnership with Curry. That's the news roundup from the Hilltalks weekly podcast. Remember to find the full stories in even more detail and more. Check out thehilltoponline.com. Now, before I sign off today, I have an important and very exciting announcement. This summer was a historic one with the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, ruling the federal protection of abortion unconstitutional. Although access to abortion is still legal in D.C., there are a lot of students at Howard who come from states with very restrictive abortion laws like Georgia or Florida or states with complete bans on abortion like Texas and Louisiana. So, How do you feel about going to school with no constitutional protection to abortion? The Hilltop is partnering with The Washington Post to learn more about how college students are directly impacted by the decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, especially if you are from one of those states with restrictive laws. There's a link in the show notes and on our social media where you can tell us more about how this may affect you. One of our reporters may reach out to further discuss your story. Check out thehilltoponline.com or find the link on our Instagram at thehilltophu. That's all for this week, Bison. Thanks for listening to the Hilltalks podcast by The Hilltop. I'm wishing you all a great semester. Until next week, I'm Olivia Green in truth and service.